Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Well, good morning, Free Life Community Church. How are you today? How are you today? How are you today? grateful to see you today. Steve, good to see you. Thanks for being with us today. Steve and I believe we could fix the world in five minutes. Amen. <laughs> good to have everybody here today. Mothers, love you guys. Grateful for you. Amazing things. Good morning to those of you at our Mecca campus. Thanks for joining us and those listening online on our, on our radio station and certainly on our Facebook page. What a glorious day it is. Why? Because the sun is shining outside and I'm grateful for that. It's going to be in the 90s this week. I can't wait. This is my favorite time of the year uh, because it transitions from the, you know, the glum of winter into the, the newness of life. And I've had to mow my grass several times. I like seeing the grass grow. You know, I'm sure I'll complain midsummer, but right now I'm rejoicing in it. And, and I like to see the new beginnings. And the, the flowers and the trees are budding. And some of the trees are gorgeous. Have you noticed that? Beautiful out there. And so it just reminds me of God's creative mindset as well as what he gives us to enjoy. And it just shows me how amazing God really is. And God wants us to not only get saved, but he wants us to grow in him. And as we continue our sermon series, uh, Becoming More Like Jesus, today we're going to talk about growing through his word. Now, everybody knows that you have to grow in your Christian life through the word, but perhaps there's some things you didn't quite understand about it or don't remember. And so we want to be reminded. And if you have your Bibles... Would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 119? Psalm 119, and we're going to scroll down to verse 17 and look at eight verses there. So 17 through 24, Psalm 119. And this is uh, a Psalm of David. And he says, do good to your servant and I will live. And I, and I thought that was interesting because that's how the NIV puts it. And then in the New American Standard, it says, deal bountifully with your servant. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Deal wonderfully, bountifully, or richly with me so that I can live in this life and as I do so, keep the word you've given me. It's all about God. David says, it's not about me. It's not about anything but allowing me to live and richly do so, so that I can keep your word and, get this, glorify you. Now, that, now isn't that what the, all Christians ought to be thinking about today? Isn't that what our lives should really be, glorifying the Lord? That God gives us life and richly blesses us so that we can keep his word. What an opportunity for us. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. In other words, your commandments. I am a stranger in the earth. 
So do not hide your commandments from me. Because David knows that even though he doesn't understand it completely, he knows that he's a stranger on this, on this earth, but he's a resident of heaven. What a, what a beautiful concept. He says, my soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. I want to empty myself so that I can keep your commandments. My own wants and desires are crushed and ripped away so that I can fulfill yours. That's somebody who's surrendering to God, amen? He says, you rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, those who wander from your commandments. You rebuke them. I think there's a lot of rebuke going on in the church today because we've wandered away from his commandments. He says, take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight, for they are my counselors. Now, this message uh, from Psalm 119, friends, explains that Christians grow through their engagement with the Word of God. I think everybody in here understands that you can only grow spiritually when you're engaging the Word of God, because it's going to engage you. Amen? The Word of God is going to engage you as soon as you engage it. So our spiritual disciplines that we have, the things that we must do, they evolve and revolve around the Word of God, because you wouldn't know otherwise. This is why it's so dangerous for us not to be in the Word of God as a Christian, and then we start to think in our own heart and mind what being a Christian is, because what we'll do is think that, well, these are the disciplines we ought to follow. These are the things we ought to do. So whatever seems right, sounds right, or feels good to us, that's what we're going to do. And God said, no. No, it's got to be where, you know, you, you read my Word, and it will explain to you what the statutes are, what the rules are, what the commands are. We are in a dangerous place in the church and as, as Christians today because we don't spend as much time in the Word of God as we should, and because we don't, our own psyche takes over and we begin to think that this is what seems right. And when that happens, we, we fall away from God, get far from God, and we don't even know we're doing it sometimes. And Satan's like, yep, that's, that's what I want. You think and believe anything you want. If it seems good and right, it must be. But see, God didn't give humans not only the ability, but the authority to make up in our own minds what God's statutes are or what Christianity is or what it looks like. God determines that. And so that's the danger. And David, before Christians were even called that, understands it. Now, Psalm, uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, if you could even call it a chapter. It's almost like a book. It's literally 176 verses that are basically a tribute to the Word of God, the entire Word of God. David is all about it. And it shows us that the Bible is the book, get this, for any time, according to verse 89, it's the book for all time in uh, verse 20, and it's the book for awful and difficult times in verses uh, 114 and 143. And then he comes back and says that it's the book for everlasting times, for forever, in Psalm 119, verse 160. So it's the book for any time, all time, awful and difficult times, and everlasting times. 
It's the sustaining word of God, and it is always relevant. There's a word we've got to grasp today. The word of God is forever, and it is relevant for every time. And yet there are people in the world today that say that this book is antiquated and irrelevant. No, it is not, nor will it ever be. And any Christian who surrenders their heart to God and gets in it knows it. Amen? We know it. And so this psalm is comprised, I think, really, well, there's, there's probably 23 sections, but 22 that really speak to certain things. And this is the third section that we're looking at today. And David shows us that believers are always strengthened by the word. Now, that's, that's hard for us to grasp because sometimes, you know, we're, 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 we're done. We, we, don't, we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. There's nothing that doctors can do, nothing psychologists can do, nothing uh, the government can do, nothing our friends can do. We're just, and sometimes we're depressed and oppressed, and we don't even know why. And so we just kind of give up, or we kind of just say, you know, I'm just done. And everybody knows I'm done. And people say, what's wrong? Well, I, I don't know. I'm just done. We've all been there. And David says, no. You can be and will be strengthened if you get in the Word. And you know when we ought to be in the Word is when we're not in the Word. When we ought to be in the Word is when we're not, and the devil's trying to keep us from it. And sometimes we even know we should be there, but for, for whatever reason, we're like, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be in the Word, but I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Has anybody ever felt like that? You, you know, right? You know you should, and you're just not going to do it. Now, according to this text, we're strengthened by the Word of God for these things. First of all, for function for proper uh, life function, uh, by our understanding, and also by meditation and application of what we've learned. You understand that? For function, understanding, and meditation and application. So let's start there. So D David says that we're strengthened by the word to function in life properly. You know, this may seem kind of strange to you, but I have to tell you, if you walk out on the street, if you look in any mall, any shopping center, any store, any restaurant, or just be in the public, you will find that there are people in the world today that are not functioning in life properly. Have you noticed that? There will always be those who do not function properly. And you could say, well, what's proper? What's proper? Well, it's whatever God says it is. And when we're outside of God, I don't think we can function properly. What do you think? God has a plan for humankind, all of us. And he says, I have a plan for you, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in the future, and not to harm you. Amen? Prophet Jeremiah. That means everybody. Now, not everybody chooses it, but he has those plans for all of us. And he hopes that we'll all come to him to realize it. The problem here is we are not functioning in life properly and you know what friends i know that there is depression i understand that there is mental illness i understand that people go through emotional problems i get all of that but i have to tell you this rather than medicating people on prescription medication maybe we ought to give them the word of god i'm not saying it's gonna work every time i'm not saying there aren't certain times when you got to have medication okay but I think if everybody was in the Word of God, we would have much fewer problems in those areas. I really think that. Friends, you know what? I can prove it. I've seen it. 
I've seen people that were outside of God and were on every kind of medication you can dream of. And they've done all sorts of therapy, all sorts of counseling, and nothing was helping. And then finally got into the Word of God, got into a good church and good fellowship, began to seek the Lord and be with Christian people. And before you know it, they may not get off that medication altogether, but they diminish it or sometimes throw a bunch of it away, and they're, they're way better. Now, it doesn't mean they don't, you know, have some bad days. It happens. But they're much better. And I guarantee you there are people in this room today that will tell you that. You're not the only one, honey. There's a lot of people. The word of God works. Because God works for you. And see, this is it. So we have to keep his word while we live. Because we're, we're flying blind. We're in the dark if we don't. We're living life without knowing, knowing how. Notice that David completely gives honor and credit to God for life. He, he prays that the Lord will deal with him generously and grant him this long life only so that he can obey the word of God for no other reason. We ask God to give us, you know, prosperous and long lives for other things, almost always. But David says, just so I can obey your word. This is like stunning to me. I'm thinking, wow, what a transformation over the heart of an individual that didn't even have the gift of the Holy Spirit yet. And this verse, to me, proves that when we belong to the Lord, we will want to obey Him. We will want to obey God. We will want to learn from Him. That we will want to understand and know His commands. Why? Because we want to be his servants. I mean, do you want to be his servant? If you want to be the Lord's servant, then that means you're saved. And if you don't want to serve God, I question that. Everybody would. Because when, when you're saved, you desire to be God's servant. Amen? Who wants to serve God today? You want to serve God today? Then if you want to serve God, friends, you want to obey him. You want to learn from him. You want to understand him so that you can obey those commands. Because you know that when you stand before him and you say, I didn't know, that's not going to be an excuse. It's not going to work. I know in this life we can say that and get away with it, and we think it worked, but it will not. God's, and this is why I ask people, uh -huh, what do you think God's going to say? Well, I, you know, they, they, they treat God like people. If I tell people I didn't know or didn't understand, well, we, we give them a pass. But God's not going to do that. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, that, that's what he says. He says in Romans 8 and in Romans 1 that people are going to be without excuse because the evidence of God is everywhere. You cannot deny it. Friends, I see the, the flowers coming up and the trees. Don't tell me there's no God. Amen? That is a, you, God sustains all of that. There's a God, and he is the reason. We want to be his servants. We want to become everything that the Lord wants us to be. And David was under the old covenant, but even so, he seems to say that if we belong to the Lord, we cannot help but hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. Cannot help it. And this is why the church of today has to believe and teach that God is, always has been, and always will be the supreme being. We're, we're pretty high on ourselves. We think a lot of ourselves, amen? We've accomplished a lot as humans, I get it. But nobody's accomplished what God has. And none of that would have been possible without him anyway. None of it. And because of that, humans absolutely have to depend on God not only to gain life, 
but to sustain it. We only receive life because of God. And our mothers today prove that. Amen? Of course, God have fathers in there too. And we'll, we'll celebrate them in a month or so. You see what I'm saying? God allows that. He allowed us to gain life and then sustain it. Now, we clearly don't know nearly as much as we think we do. It stuns me that we believe so much about ourselves. That we, we I, you know, there, there are a couple things I've said, and I've, I've communicated this to a few of you lately. You know, uh, we have, um, you know, we're overconfident. But I used to tell my daughters and my sons that I think you are false confident. Sometimes we can have false confidence. We're confident in things we know nothing about, but we think we do. And you, you could see that in the Christian church today and certainly outside of it. So because of that, what happens is we find that we're not nearly as self-sustaining as we want to believe that we are. We're pretty, we're pretty self-sufficient. But all it takes is for one thing in the universe to be off kilter and everybody dies just like that. It's over. And there's not a darn thing our science can do about it. Amen? So I don't put my hope and trust in science. I put it in the Lord above. Because he's the one that sustains it all. And because of that, my friends, we clearly could use direction on the way to live life, don't you think? I mean, we've done a jam-up job so far, haven't we? With all the mistakes that you see out there, all the problems. And every one of us, even if we haven't made massive mistakes, you know, my, I talked to my sister uh, the other day, and she said, you know, our, our parents were, were pretty blessed because every, all seven of us, not one of us, really got into trouble. Not one of us gave them real, uh, real grief. Now, we did kid stuff, you know. But we, not, they were pretty, but we, we know friends that were a mess their entire lives. But here's the thing. Every one of us in this room today, every one of us listening online, every one of us everywhere, if we could go back and, uh, and correct a few things in our lives, we would. Yeah, every one of us would. And if you don't, if you're like, the, nope, not me, then I would say you are false confident. And you're really, honestly, if you, if, if you want to be truthful with yourself, you're living a lie. Because there's always something in our lives we wish we wouldn't have done, things we wouldn't have, wouldn't have said, or things we wish we would have done or said. Amen? We could always have been better, and that's a, that's a fact. And here's the thing. Today, not only in society, but even in the church, humans are somehow believing that we know more about things than God does. And whenever we go outside the word of God as a Christian, that's what we're saying. We may not, we may not go out and say that specifically, but when we act outside of the word of God, that's what we're saying, that we know more than God does. And we're trying to redefine most of God's commands and precepts, and when we do that, we're questioning whether God has the right to demand certain things. We, I, I don't think God has a problem with certain questions if we don't really understand. If we don't understand things, we want God to explain them to us. I don't think he has a problem with that. But when you question God's authority over those things, that's different. Amen? God, God we are in no position, none of us are, to question God's authority. We may not like it, but we don't have the right to do that. And you know, sometimes when we don't like the answer, we begin to think that maybe God doesn't exist at all. And isn't Satan good about making us question that? And even when we don't believe in God, everything about God has to line up with our human way of thinking so that we can believe and act the way that we want to. And that's, that's, our, that's our crutch. That's our scapegoat. That's our out. We 
put God on the same level as humans and, you know, try to treat him and his commands in the same way that we do the rules and regulations of society and humanity. Well, it, it, God is not human, nor is he on the same level as we are. He never has been. And even when we do believe in him, you know, then we start to say somehow that, you know, well, maybe I can change what God says or bring a, a new meaning to it and make righteousness what I think it is. I actually have had people, when I've worked Emmaus walks and been involved with people from different churches, and all of you have seen this, that when we talk about things that everybody in the Christian church believes in, because you know, Emmaus is not denominational, uh, and so when we use certain words and things, they'll say, well, our, our church doesn't believe in that. <laughs> well, I have news for you, my friends. If your church doesn't believe in it, then I question if it's Christian or not. Because this is biblical. This is a biblical concept. It's in the Word of God. That's why it's here in our program. So when you say, our church doesn't use those terms, our church doesn't believe in those things, two things are probably true. Either, one, it's not a Christian church, or two, you're in it and your leadership knows, but you don't. Now, one of those things is true. And so it happens all the time when we second guess the Word of God and God Himself. You see, friends, righteousness is revealed in God's revelation. God says what righteousness is. He tells us what it is. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it best in Romans 1, 18 to 22. For the wrath of God is revealed, get this, from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, they have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are all without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks, but became futile in their reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they rather became fools. I think there's a lot of that going on today. And rather than dwell on what's wrong with it, why don't we as a church, as a people, as a congregation, look to righteousness and do it right? Wouldn't that be the cast meow? Why, why wouldn't we, instead of, sometimes I get caught up in what's wrong with the church, and I need to get caught up on what the church can be. And God is a sustainer of that. He's the one that can make it so. We should focus on what we can do as Christians. So basically, David and Paul are reminding us that we need to see ourselves as we are. Not only do we need God, but we need God's word. Friends, I'm telling you, I need God's word. Does anybody, anybody, anybody listening need God's word today? Well, where would you be without it? Right? Where would you be without it? He's, he is... The creator of the word, he is the word, he was the word, he'll always be the word. And his word is the owner's manual for Christian life. It always has been. And without it, you know what I found? We're probably going to be doomed. And when we say we didn't know, that's not going to be an excuse. We've already spoken about that, but it's not going to be an excuse. 
And I think to myself, praise God, he gives us the opportunity to live eternally. I personally am grateful that God gave me the opportunity to be absolved of that garbage that I was in, to be dragged out of it, put in this amazing Christian opportunity that I can live eternally with him. He, he did that. I didn't do it. There's no way I could have done it because none of us can. But God can do it, and he's, he's not only willing, he wants to. He wants to change you so that you have him forever. And yet God expects and demands that we grow in wisdom, that we grow in the faith, that we take our spiritual lives to the next level. And unfortunately in the Christian church today, what we really want to do is just get people saved and then let them simmer right there. And that's why we have a lot of people in, in the church of God today, all over, all over everywhere, who are baby Christians and the church and its authority have gone downhill because it's become irrelevant. That's why our politicians don't listen to us. That's why the church's voice isn't powerful. And that's why we're not in the majority anymore. Because we are living life as baby Christians and all this heresies coming in, all these weird ideas and all these things that are not biblical and not Christian are making up the church. And unfortunately, what we'll do is go to a church that's easier so that we don't have to make the changes. We can continue to do whatever we want and call ourselves Christian. And God's going to say, mm-mm, mm-mm. He's clear about that. Now, for years and years, the church made itself all about rules and regulations, and that wasn't God's intent neither. God just wants your heart. He just wants you to surrender yourself to him so that he can look at you and smile, rise, take your hand, and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's your reward. That's all he wants to do. But in Revelation, he says, yeah, you, you, you walk like a duck. You even look like a duck sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, what you think the duck is, isn't Christian. And because it isn't, I have this against you. He says it straight up. You've done these things that appear to be Christian, but I have this against you. You weren't surrendered to me completely. And because you weren't, you brought things into Christianity that weren't Christian. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says in Romans 1 and 2. Pastor Bob, yes? So the fact of the matter, friends, I want to be in the Word so I know what it is. I know what it means. So we're saved by grace through faith. We also grow by grace through and in faith. And when that happens, God's Word is paramount to make it happen. God's Word is what makes it happen. And while we live, God demands that we obey His Word completely and entirely. There are no free passes. You cannot pick and choose what you want. And you know what? Remember Burger King? You can have it your way. I don't, think they, I don't even think they believe that today. I think I've said that before. But I remember the days when you could go in there and, you know, McDonald's said, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. Today, if I sit at the drive-thru and I say, you know, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, I'm scared of what I might get. Because I know they're not going to get it. Has anybody experienced that today? Because it, it's, it's, it's no one's fault. It's not, it's not the young people or the people who are taking the order. It's, not, it's what our society has become. That's the greater issue. We were talking in our pastor meeting, uh, our, our Tuesday morning uh, pastor prayer, um, you know, the, the, this, this thing on uh, homosexuality has, be, has become a, a huge, huge issue. And, and, and we're, we're focusing on the wrong things. It, pastor Bob, yes? It's, it's, this is, what we should be looking at is a biblical authority. Biblical authority is the most important thing, and that's where we've got to be. 
biblical authority. So stop looking at it for what it is, or what we think it is, and look at it for what it actually is. And so as we do that, we find, friends, that to be strengthened by the word and function in life properly, the believer's faith is manifested through their function. Our faith is manifested through our function. Basically, David is saying that his faith and function and anybody who claims to be a believer were going to be molded and modified through the word. Because if we're not, then something else is going to mold and modify us. Isn't it? If you're not molded and modified by the word, something else is going to mold and modify you. And, I, and I, I'm scared about what that might be. There's not a person in here that's not worried about what's going to mold and modify their children's behavior when they're not with them. Anybody? anybody? Who, who, parents, who, who's nervous about that? Dad, just a few of you? Hey, who's, who's got adult kids in here? Get your hands up. You ought to be worried. Huh? Because their influences are no longer you, and because they're not, you're worried about them. Anybody? I guarantee you are. And heck, I'll tell you this. I'm worried about those that aren't even my kids. I'm worried about where our society is going today. So David is saying, look here, the word molds and modifies you. So when we get into the word, the Holy Spirit gets the word into us. Did you hear that? That ought to be something you ought to remember. When we get into the word, the Holy Spirit gets the word into us. That's important. You ought to write that down somewhere. I think that's a pretty good statement. You see, we're transformed to live according to what's in the word of God. In other words, we're strengthened by the word to live this functional Christian life. And we're strengthened by the word to live an obedient life. That's what God is telling us. Anything else? Well, it's not really life. We think it is. The Bible says it's a form of something, but not the real deal. He said you have a form of Christianity, but you deny its power. That's what Paul says. You're living a form of Christianity, but you're denying the power of it. Well, sure, because it's not real. It's not authentic. It's not authentic. Now, the, the world has done a really good job of making awesome equipment, cars, and things, even products, and then uh, somebody always finds a way to build it and make it look like that, but it's much less expensive. But it's an imitation. Sometimes it's a pretty good imitation, and sometimes it's a really cheap one. And I've always said, you get what you pay for, and you pay for what you get. Yeah? The danger is, you can try these products, and well, it's, you know, money probably not well spent. And some of them are pretty good, and they are money well spent. But when it comes to Christianity, well, there's really no substitute. And why would we try to substitute when God said this is the only one? You see? Hmm. And so that isn't life, no matter how much we think it is. Because the Bible is clear that only life with God is truly life because it's the only one that transforms us into the life that really has no end. And everybody wants to live an eternal life. And when I tell you that, trust me, that if people knew what hell really was, nobody would want it. Nobody would choose to be outside of God. And sadly, there are going to be more outside of God than in God. The Bible is clear about that. Jesus said there's two gates. One's narrow and one's wide. And unfortunately, they're sheep and goats. And those who think they're sheep are actually going to be goats. And they're going to be like, what? Huh, huh, I thought I was a sheep. No, I never knew you. That's scary. But what about all these things? Well, it won't matter. Because we think that how we, what we do, how we do Christianity, that's what makes us a Christian, and it isn't. 
is whether God has these things. And you belong to him. Because when he has these things, you will do what this says. You won't question it. You won't try to modify it. You won't misinterpret it. You won't try to make it look like something that you want it to be. Just because you want it, you'll do it. And that's what Christ is trying to say. You know, when we claim we're a Christian, I think God expects us to believe, live, and act in a manner that proves we actually belong to him. Don't you think? Do you believe that today? Anybody in here think that when you say you're a Christian, God expects you to live it? You see, Satan wants you to question and modify everything God says. Have you noticed that? He's good at trying to get you to modify what God says. And he wants you to believe and act in a manner that you want to, at least for now. But I have news for you. You might get away with that for a little bit, but the time's going to come when you're going to do what he says. He's going to pull the rug right underneath you, and he's going to make everything that seemed great be deadly. Because that's, that's his aim. That's how he operates. And he knows his demise, and he wants you to go with him. Anybody want to go with Satan where he's going? I doubt it. You might think it looks pretty decent now, but I assure you the day will come and it's not. And, and that's the truth of the matter. And people say it's not that simple. It's incredibly that simple. That's exactly what he's trying to do. And he wants you to, to do that until you end up believing and living in a manner that he wants you to because when that happens, what ha you'll be far from God. You'll be far from God. And again, the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 1 to 2, and Galatians 2, 20 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what the Word of God says. Is David right? Yes, he is. We are strengthened by the Word to function in life properly. And anything outside of the Word of God is not correct functional life. No matter how much you want it to be, how much society says it is, or how much you think it is. We may not always have the answers, and we might not always get our way. Anybody figured that out yet? You might not always get your way. But if you're obedient, then you'll always have the Lord, and he will always get you through. Amen? Now, I wish I could stop there, but I can't. Because David doesn't. So David says, secondly, that you're going to be strengthened by the word through spiritual understanding. And I think this might actually be the most important thing here, because, that's where it, because this is what modifies what we want to do. Our understanding modifies what we want to do. You see, our spiritual eyes are going to have to be opened. This is what David is talking about. Now, he asked the Lord to open his eyes to the word of God, and this is important, and let me explain why. David doesn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit at this point, right? That didn't come until Christ gave it, you know, in the New Testament. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't always present. Yeah? It doesn't mean that, uh, Jimmy, do you think the Holy Spirit was present with David? Any, uh, Bernie, you think that? You think the Holy Spirit was present? Anybody believe the Holy Spirit was present with David? Because I do. The Spirit was always here. Jesus just modified how we have him, you see. It was just different. 
But the Spirit has always been present and has always had authority to fill humanity. So David realizes he needs the Spirit's filling to open his spiritual understanding. He needs to understand from the Word of God and through the Spirit. And you'll remember in Luke 24, two disciples, you know, are walking on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and another, Bible doesn't tell us who the other one is, and Jesus appears to them, but what happens? They don't recognize him. Now, they should have. He was walking with them just a couple days ago. So what's different? Well, he went to the grave, resurrected, and got his new heavenly body that we're all going to have when Christ raptures the church. Amen? It's, it's new. It's different. And what I've explained before is, you know, when we look at each other now, we recognize each other by our physical attributes, our looks. Now, as we get older, they change a little bit, you know. But our looks are our looks, and it defines who we are. But when we get the new body in Christ, instead of our physical attributes being out here where everybody sees it, the spiritual part is going to come forward, and our physical appearance is going to go to the backward, and we won't recognize each other by our physical appearance anymore. It'll be their spirituality of who we are. And that's what Jesus had, and they didn't see that part because his physical attributes were now in the back. Right? And so Jesus opens their eyes, and they can see his spirituality and know who he is. And they recognized him in a manner and way that we're all going to in eternity. That's what happened. And so when that happened, he opened the eyes of all his disciples and all of his followers at times while he was on earth, after he ascended, or before he ascended. So there's going to be things that we don't completely understand in our spiritual lives, it, but it's during these times that we need a special infilling of the Spirit, which opens our eyes to understand when God wants us to get it. And listen, God is illuminating me all the time. I'll be, I'll be reading things and I think, oh, uh, I, God, I think I got it. I think I get this now. Right? Anybody been there? I think I get it. And this passage shows us that the Holy Spirit, my friends, is the one who communicates and clarifies the truth of Scripture to the believer. That's what happens. The Spirit also helps us to understand the will of God. And that's, that's a big one because oftentimes we don't know the will of God in our humanness because likely we don't want to. Because the will of God isn't going to be our will sometimes. And doggone it, you know. We want, we want God's will to be our will. And it's not. It's got to be the other way. We have to pattern our will after His, not the other way. You see, the things of God are not the same as the things of man. Has anybody figured out that God's will and the things of God aren't necessarily the things of man? Remember what God said through the prophet Isaiah? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, Jesus taught his, his disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things in John 14, and then guide them into all truth in John 16. And the Apostle John taught his audience that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the one who really teaches the believer the Word of God in 1 John chapter 2. Now, friends, I have to say that this is technically called this illumination that I referred to before. It's illumination. But to make it more relevant to, in today's terms, I've called it spiritual understanding. <laughs> spiritual understanding. It's the Spirit of God that touches the mind of the child of God so that he or she can understand, which then leads them to obey. And once we obey, from there we're strengthened by the Word of God. The Word of God is there for strengthening, but it will never strengthen you unless you believe it and obey it. Strengthen is only comes upon 
reading it and understanding it and obeying it. That's where your strength comes from. My strength is in the Lord. Anybody? And that's the only way I can be strengthened is when I rely on it. So you see, our spiritual eyes are not and cannot be opened until God opens them through His Spirit. Now, here's the deal. Have a conversation about God and His ways with somebody that isn't saved. Let's see how that goes. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever had a conversation with God? You know, with God? And then go have a conversation with somebody that's not saved, doesn't believe in God, about God? And see where that goes for you. <laughs> right? That doesn't, it never goes well. It's like they, they, they just don't get it. And I don't think they want to get it. They just, they do, they're like, well, that doesn't make, you know why? Because they're thinking in human terms what seems plausible and reasonable in human ideal. Human idealism rules today. Hence, the differential we have between people. You take any social issue and put it out there, and you'll have 50-50, or maybe it's, you know, a little bit lopsided one way or the other about certain things. And you can almost prove it by those who believe and know God and those who don't. Yes or no? Really? And there's some in the middle that say they know and believe God and they're skewered in their thought process, but that's because they want what they want. They're trying to modify the Word of God to back it up. Well, God doesn't. But either way, this is what we're finding today. And I'm not going to talk about these things, but the fact of the matter is God opens our spiritual eyes through His Spirit to see the truth. And having this God you know, conversation with people that don't understand, well, they're never going to understand. Not until their spiritual eyes are opened and they want God. When they do that, now God can talk to them. Like I said before, it's sort of like trying to teach a pig to talk. In the end, what do you do? You end up annoying the pig, frustrating the pig. Why? Because pigs were never designed to be able to have human conversation and talk like we do. It's not possible. That doesn't mean we, some people don't try. I mean, I, I imagine, you know, there's a pig whisperer out there, you know. I know there's horse whispers and dog whispers, you know. I, I'm not one of those people, but I, some people understand animals other than others. But no matter how much of a whisperer you are, they are never going to have a conversation with you. Friends, you do know that, right? If your pig or your dog is talking to you and you can understand them, you should probably come and see me real quick. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't have a relationship with them, you know, an understanding maybe, but you're, you're not going to have a conversation with them. It doesn't work. We have conversations with them, but I, I'm pretty sure the Bible's clear they don't understand it all, right? <laughs> okay, just make sure we're clarifying that. Now, here's what I, I don't want you to think. I am not correlating unbelievers to pigs. I'm not doing that. However, what I am saying is that pigs don't have this ability to talk. So teaching them to do so is never going to be successful. Unbelievers don't have their spiritual eyes opened, and they will never, because of that, they will never have ears to hear. They will never have them. And all we can do is try to help them desire to hear. Desire to hear. So that they can seek the Lord, He will open their eyes and their ears. Amen? Because that's what's going to happen. But even Christians need their spiritual eyes to constantly be opened to the Spirit. Anybody realize that today? You have to have your, your eyes open to the Spirit. Now, there are those moments when all of a sudden the light comes on, you're reading and studying the Scripture, and you just understand what you're being taught. You're like, oh, 
Wow. And you get excited. And you want to call somebody or say, hey, guess what? I've been, I've been reading this, and all of a sudden, boom, bam, it just came. I'm like, ooh, I get it. Isn't that cool? And you want to tell everybody that you get it now. And they're like, that's great. That's awesome. Wonderful. Good for you. And you want to keep telling them. You know, but, but, I, but I get it now. I, I know. You said that. But, but you don't understand. I, 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 I really get it. Because we want them to understand that we, we didn't before, now we do. And it's so cool to us. Yeah? Everybody, everybody wants it. It excites us. Sometimes it's something you knew that you didn't understand. Something you knew you never really got. But you're trying to. And then other times, you know, you thought you had a good handle on it, but suddenly you had this, like, aha moment. And it's like a greater thing is open to you. And you're like, whoa. Right? And you can't get in. It's like, whoa, all these things are coming. And then you're like, oh, I'm trying to understand all that now? It just opens up a whole new realm. You know, I used to, when I was younger, uh, I used to play... Um, uh, uh, on NVIDIA, Mario, right? And uh, you could open up new worlds, right? And I was always trying to get so far in each face so I could open up a new world and check it out. Problem is, you always get killed in the new world, <laughs> right? Until you learn the new world, yeah? You learn where the dangers are, and you got to keep, you know, it, here's the thing. In life, there's no do-overs like that. You can, you can go back and reset the game. You can even save games and go back, right, because you know what's around the corner now when you didn't the first time you played it. Nobody, I don't think anybody, and if they did it, they're brilliant, started on any game and played it all the way through without losing their life. Right? And I assure you, in this thing called life, in, in, Christian, in Christianity, you're, there's dangers around, there's, there's pitfalls, there's things you'll never see coming, but God is the one who protects you, and knowing his word and reciting that word, that is what is going to get you through. You don't need a do-over. You don't need a do-over because he's going to sustain your life as it is. And he may not sustain it in this life, but he's going to sustain it in the next. He will see to it that it is sustained. And as I began to think about that more, I remembered that Satan wants to cloud or close your spiritual eyes. That's his whole, that's his whole game. He doesn't want you to see your God-given spiritual eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to see through those. He doesn't, he wants you to see through his eyes and your eyes. He doesn't much care if it's his or yours, because eventually yours are his, you know. And when this happens, we don't really have ears to hear either, just like the unbeliever doesn't. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 4, 23 to 24, if anyone has ears to hear, well, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Okay? And for that to happen, friends, when you set out to read, study, memorize, and meditate on the Word of God, you ought to ask the Spirit of God to do one thing, and that's to open your eyes so that you may understand what He is saying in the Word. And understand, then, how to apply that Word to your life. And when you do, it leads to being strengthened, number three, by the word through meditation and application. Meditation and application. Understanding leads to meditation and understanding. Okay, I understand what you're saying, God, so now i got to think on that. How do I apply that to life now? How do I take what I've come to understand now and apply it to my daily life? And it takes work. It takes effort. It takes, you have to be conscious about it, and you have to be intentional about it. 
I'm going to sit and ponder on the Word of God, meditate on it, so I can say, okay, how do I now learn this brand new aha truth that I have now and modify my life, not modify the Word? God's got to modify my life so that it, it goes along with this Word, not the other way. Amen? That's how it's supposed to be. So meditation is more than just reading the Word. In these last two verses, we find David saying, basically, that we have to have a particular attitude and a particular understanding, and God's the one that's going to have to give it to us. Essentially, while I can determine what happens, while I can't determine what happens outside of me, I can determine what happens inside of me. Did you hear that? I might not be able to change what goes on around me, but what I can do is modify and change what's happening inside of me so I can deal what's happening outside of me. It's an attitude change. It's an attitude adjustment. And God's the one doing it. He says that while persons speak against me, he says, your servant will think about your statutes. So whatever's going on around me, I'm going to think on these things. Because people can get you to think on other things, can't they? Can Satan get you to think on other things? He's pretty good at it. But if my eyes are focused here, and I'm focused on the Word of God, and I'm meditating on what I've learned, then those things are going on. I'm oblivious to the garbage that Satan's trying to throw at me. I'm oblivious to it. And that's what God wants. You see, this is what meditation is. To meditate means to intentionally and constantly mull over, turn over something in your mind. It means to think about, talk about, memorize the Word of God intentionally. And while doing so, you begin to grasp the depths of what God is saying. And when that happens, now you'll want more of it. When that happens, you will want more of it because the more you understand, the more you, you want to get. Anybody? The more you want to get. In fact, the Bible is so clear that you'll want more and more of the Word of God every day that David says that the godly person will desire the Word constantly. He says in Psalm 1, Psalm 1, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Friends, he's talking about the person that wants to surrender to God. The person that wants to be a true Christian, who wants everything that God has, will get this, meditate on his word day and night. Who in here is meditating on the word of God day and night? Well, I want to get to that point. We all ought to want to get, the person who truly wants to please God wants to get to that point where he's doing that. Christians, friends, don't apply well the things of Scripture to life until they understand completely. We don't apply those things well until we understand completely. And I think what I'm saying is, what David's teaching us is, we, we need to want to understand completely. Because until you do, you won't apply it. And you can't go through life not knowing. Again, we've already established that when you stand before God and you say, I didn't know, that's not going to be an excuse. The, the Satan wants you to think it is because in this life, you can do that with people. Well, I didn't. When we say people, you know, if someone says, why did you do that? And we say, well, I, I, I didn't know. And then you can immediately see them soften. Well, okay. But next time, right? Isn't that how it works usually? I didn't know. We, we've convinced ourselves that we're going to say, well, God, I didn't know. He's going to say, well, okay. No, he's not going to do that. And there are Christians out there that can't believe that God's going to say, no, there's no second chance. 
But the Bible is clear. If you die in this life outside of being saved, there is no way back for you. None. Am I right, Christians? There's no way back. But society is certain that there is. It's not. Well, when I see him coming, I'll change then. No, you won't. There's no time. Now, if he returns and you haven't given your life to him, the Bible's clear that you, you may have the opportunity to believe in him as long as you haven't died yet. But it's also clear that if you go through the great tribulation, Jesus said, none of you will want to see it. It will be a time that has never been and will never be again, and you will not want to see it. I don't want to go through the great tribulation on earth. Anybody here want to go through it? Not a chance, because that's when evil runs. That's when the Holy Spirit is pulled out of the earth, and evil will have nothing to, hold, to keep it at bay, and the devil will have his way. Can you imagine that? Oh, my. And do you really think he's going to be merciful to people? No. Now you'll see who he really is and what he really wants. You know what he wants? He wants you to worship him because he wants to be like the most high. That's what he said. I will make myself like the most high, even though I'm not. And as many as I can get to follow me, I will. Because I know what my doom is, and I'm going to take them all with me. He knows where he goes. He knows his time is short. But that doesn't, that, how, how, I, I think, th Bill Coker said one time, it, it makes him no never mind. It makes him no never mind. He wants what he wants, and that's it. And isn't that what society, how it lives today? They want what they want, no matter what. So you see, my friends, As we develop this habit and practice on the disciplines of meditating on the word, the spirit of God uses that word to increase our faith. It uses it to help us desire more of it. And the practice and the power of it in our lives. You begin to see the victories because you're practicing the power of God's word in your life. And then it's like, oh, I had a victory. Ooh, I can, I, I can, I can be victorious over here too. And now, you know what, Satan? <laughs> At one time... You might have had some dominion power of me, but no longer, because I'm learning that by the power of God, I can get you behind me. And I can see where you're trying to lead me, but I ain't going there. We're not going to do this again. It's like, and when he shows up, you know what I tell him? Most of the time, I tell him, oh, really? You want to go around again, do you? No, you're fighting with me, bro. There's your fight. And you know where that's going to head, don't you? And I love to do that to him, you know? And he still harasses. And he makes you think, he's more annoying than anything, really, because he's already been defeated. I can handle annoyance. What I can't handle is losing to him. Anybody? Yeah. I know what he's going to do. And you know what? We are literally strengthened by the word through practicing it and applying it to our lives. We find in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. And don't forget the final address of Joshua to the Israelite nation. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. I want that in the Christian life. Anybody? I want good success, because if I have it, when Christ meets me, I get the promise, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your reward.
and as our worship team comes this morning. Perhaps every one of us are familiar with checking accounts. Whether you have one or not, you're familiar with what it is. And uh, I've told my wife, I'm trying to be as practical as I can about giving you a nugget that you can remember. And so with a checking account, I realize that you can make deposits, you can make transfers, and you can make withdrawals. Unfortunately, we tend to make more withdrawals than anything. Anybody? Yeah. But the funny thing is, you can't make transfers or withdrawals unless you first make the proper or sufficient deposit. Because if the money's not there, then you can't take anything out. And it's funny because when our kids were little, uh, they'd want to do something or go someplace or get, go to a restaurant, and we'd say, no, we don't have the money. Well, write a check, they used to say. Write a check. <laughs> and they didn't quite grasp that, you know, just because you have checks in a checkbook doesn't mean there's money in there to back it up, you know. Right? It, 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 is any, did anybody just learn that just, just this morning that maybe that's... Yeah. But I, I realize that our, our spiritual life is kind of like that, you know. Our spiritual life is kind of like that. Christ promised that the Holy Spirit would not only teach us all things, but also bring all things to our remembrance in John 14. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.